Good morning, everybody. Beautiful faces. Welcome to Interact Studio. This is Lou Solomon, and this is Human Touch. We're so happy that you're here. We have a great program, so let's just jump in. Our guests this morning are Tino McFarlane, who is founder and CEO of McFarlane Construction, and Ben Wilhelm, who is COO of McFarlane. These men have built an incredible business, and, and we want you to hear about it. Tino and Ben, thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks, Lou. You bet. You Great bet. Great to have a lot of friends here on the, uh, on, the, on the Zoom as well. That's right. That's right. And if anybody would like to turn their video on and let Tino and Ben see your beautiful face, we would love that. I know they would. But before we get some of their insights, let's just tell everybody a little bit about them. Tino has had a vision for this company forever, and it is now one of Charlotte's top 15 fastest growth businesses. It's also the third largest black owned business. And last year was recognized as one of the best places to work by Charlotte Business Journal. Then, has, uh, you know, is a, a dear friend of ours, not that um, Tino is not, Tino's a new friend, Ben, I've known for quite a while. Um, and, you know, he's been over, running overall operations side by side with Tino uh, and helping build an incredible company that they are not only colleagues in, but very, very good friends. Um, probably first and foremost, they would tell you. An interesting thing about Ben is that when he's not at the heart center of his work, which is McFarlane, he's teaching a class at Queens University, so I don't know how either one of them sleep. Um, but let me ask you this, Tino, what is behind the growth going on at McFarlane? What are the drivers of that kind of growth? Yeah, so um, again, again, thanks, Lou, for having us on this morning. I'd like to thank the, uh, the broader McFarlane work family for allowing Ben and I to represent them. And thanks to all those that support and, and advocate for our business. And uh, before I answer the question, I just also want to state that you know, small business is important to our community. So uh, we appreciate the opportunity just to, to share a little bit about our story. So this is our 11th year in business. Our core values are community commitment, collaboration. You know, we are a a construction company that provides design, build, general contract, construction management, pre-construction and QA, QC services. We pride ourselves in our focus on safety. You know, of our 50 employees or so, uh, approximately 10% or five of those employees full-time focus is day in, day out planning, um, um, auditing and supporting our project delivery teams on safe work practice behavior. And so that's all they do. And then we're also proud of the fact that out of 50 employees, 11 different nationalities are represented within our business. So what does that, what does that mean? So I'd like, I'd like to say that the given for being in our industry, right, is that you gotta be efficient and effective and consistently delivering good construction services. So quality and budget and safety and uh, making sure that you're uh, delivering on time and you're not leaving a, a trail of liens or lawsuits behind you that you're just doing good business practice it's kind of the price of admission, right? And so I'll sit that to the side for a second and talk about these things that I think that are really driving our business. And so the first thing I think would be the framework of our service offering being clearly defined. 
Um, now there's some tinkering that has gone on and will continue to go on along the way, but the clarity um, around what we do exists in our business. So that's well-defined. The second thing I would suggest is that internally our um, team members take ownership. We place priority on safety, again, on diversity and community commitment and collaboration and driving that into our engagements. So there is clarity around who we are and how we behave. And then the third thing is we think deeply about our addressable market. And so what that means to me is that from a, from a sanity standpoint, you know, I kind of define that as our trade partners, our third party partners, channel partners, clients um, that we align with well, we, you know, we, we think deeply about that. And so said differently, we are not the right solution or right uh, person for every project, every client, every entity, every organization. But those that we do connect with uh, will be hard pressed to find a, uh, a partner that is more committed to that relationship, right? And so what that means is that there is clarity around um, who we collaborate with. And so in 11 years of business, um, and that's not, an, not an, an eternity, if you will, but I would suggest that there's a fair amount of time to plant some seeds or make some deposits, if you will. And there have been a number of seeds planted externally that are around some of those client and partnering opportunities, et cetera. But there's also a heavy and ongoing planting of seeds internally. So over many cycles, there's been this showing up consistently, setting the right tone with our, within our organization, working hard, making the most out of the resources available, um, being a champion of safety and diversity and of community commitment and collaboration. There's a lot of time spent listening uh, to and caring about and challenging the individuals that are within McFarland Construction with the goal of developing a team that is in rhythm with the cadence of our system and supporting the process of uh, planting more seeds and making more deposits, if you will. And so if you believe in the, the concept of compounding and of momentum, as I do, then you would give some real consideration to what, I, what I'm gonna say next. And so I summarize everything that I've, I've said by basically saying a deeply committed um, work family is what's driving the growth of McFarland Construction. People drive our systems. We, at, at, and as we have increased kind of connectivity and the capacity of people, our business has grown and I think will continue to grow. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it never fails that at the very center of an, a successful uh, entrepreneurial operation uh, that is experiencing fast growth, there is a passionate voice like that. It just never fails. And so we've been teasing Tino that he has one of those great radio voices too. When we were in broadcasting, we would say great chords. So wonderful. Yes, yes. Ben, my friend, tell me a little bit and, and the folks a little bit about the core value of collaboration and how that really plays into you and who you are being as a company. Because I know that there is a creative uh, approach and mindset that you have with your partners. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, no, we, we certainly, as Tino shared, that's one of our core values. And I think, um, I, I think one of the, one of the things I've become comfortable sharing with folks is construction is where conflict goes to thrive. And uh, <laughs> it's already hard to build these buildings uh, uh, all alone or, or as a particular trade contractor, but to do it in collaboration with partners is even more challenging because you have a lot of dynamics at play, different core values, different culture, different people, different systems. And so 
Um, really, that starts with what Tino started McFarland with, which is relationships and investing in those relationships. And so uh, nothing is transactional with us. We, we really take a long view about who we work with and how we work together because we want our first opportunity to lead to the next. And I think that if we keep that front and center and we are focused on being, um, I, I like the term user friendly, uh, if we if we focus on um, making sure that we're trying to take friction out of the system and we're trying to be a good partner and and be accountable, I think that makes a huge difference. And so that that's an easy philosophy to um, you know make that part of you. If that reflects who you are on a daily basis, then I think you're you're doing okay. So I think for us, that's that's first and foremost is focusing and investing in the relationship, uh, not just projects or or one transaction. Yeah. You know, what I've noticed about the folks at McFarland is that they know so well who they are. And uh, before the program, the team and I were talking about what a hamstring it is to try and do business when the internal knowledge of who you are is just not there or consistent. And one thing I notice about McFarland is that it is so strong and it is one voice and it is uh, you know, voiced in such certainty, uh, which is just wonderful. Tino, you, you had a lifelong uh, dream, as the, I think since you were, you know, third or fourth grade to be an entrepreneur, and you also had a really specific vision uh, for this company, even through the recession, I think, through 2009, 2010, and people believed in you and you were able to pull that off. So, so nothing ever happens overnight, does it? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> now, tell us about that, the vision and just the persistence to come through the hard times. Yeah. And so, um, so again, I, I always kind of place the stake in the fact that you, you have to deliver good service and, and do a good job. And that's kind of the price of admission to be, you know, in, in business. And so calling that a given going, you know, going back to, I think really three great examples that I had throughout life. And so early on, you, you mentioned when I was kind of eight or nine and kind of that third grade uh, time frame of life, my, the, the first two examples I'll talk about really parallel one another. And so that was my grandfather and my father. And so my grandfather um, uh, uh, lived in North Central Mississippi. And so this is now the time period being like the 80s when I'm watching, early 80s when I'm watching my grandfather go about his business. And he owned a small business and radiator repair shop that he created out of a necessity to really provide an opportunity for his, to provide for his family, but also provide an opportunity for a community um, or some, some members of his community that didn't have access to much opportunity. And so I'm witnessing this, you know, 15 years or so after it's started and I'm eight years old, nine years old at the time. And I was just intrigued by all the cool stuff you had in the shop. But as I reflected back on it later in life, I recall some of the individuals that worked there. I recall after clocking out, the men sitting around outside and talking for hours, um, just about whatever, and really having a, a, their, their community, right? Uh, their work community within their community. And reflecting back on that, um, this was, again, thinking about the, the place in, in our country, the time period that this was going on. This was a way for men to be at ease, for the community to have a little bit of an opportunity for my grandfather to provide for his family. And um, it was done through the ownership of a small business that was on his property. So smallest of the smallest businesses, right? This is 
what he had going on there. And then around the same time, you know, as, as outside of summer visits to visit with my grandfather, my, uh, my dad uh, really taught me how to work at a, at a young age. So at about the age of nine, um, he started me out with um, a lawn service. And so I was able to use his lawnmower and weed eater to, um, to cut lawns. And he set me up with clientele and I went, went about the craft of cutting, cutting lawns and did this for like six years and paid rent on this lawnmower and weed eater for those six years. And at the end of it, he kind of laughed and said, you know, you paid too much for, <laughs> for that lawnmower, right? And so um, that was kind of my first entrepreneur experience. But my dad also had some small businesses on the side. And as we got older and became a little more able, we got involved in some of those and learned about framing and, and uh, laying roofing. And, um, and again, he created some opportunity, not only for my brother and myself to be off of the streets and not in the streets, but also for some other individuals who, um, who were having some tough times and just needed some access to have an opportunity to work. And so that was the sec second example, kind of in this entrepreneur space that was really real and close to me. And then the third is a friend that is uh, still very dear to me, and we'll call him Steve for now. He, um, he owns a third generation minority-owned specialty contracting business. And Steve is probably one of, one of the most transparent people that I know from the standpoint of his shortcomings, but also his whys and why he does goes about things. And one thing that I distinctly remember Steve saying at, at dinner one night is if I don't give us a chance, who will? And so he was referring to kind of his community and there were some individuals that were employed with him that had um, been convicted of felonies and a, a number of other different things, but he's creating opportunity for people to come to work, feel at ease and have an opportunity to make an honest living. And so those three things kind of always stuck with me as I thought about um, the culture of how I would want an organization to look. So I, you know, I, I've always enjoyed the built environment. I'm disciplined kind of in engineering and construction, if you will. And so that's right, a natural fit from a, a service offering and from a career standpoint, but then how do you begin to set the tone and the tempo of your organization? It's these lessons and these observations I was able to, I guess, be beneficial of or experience throughout life. And so as I think about our organization and thought about it, you know, the diversity thing, which I spoke about earlier, is big to me. I, I love all people. I think merit is what should decide on, decide how people advance and how they're engaged. But unfortunately, we live in an environment where sometimes that's not always the way that people make decisions and uh, engage or promote others. And so I become very sensitive to that and just making sure that as we move through space and time, um, we're very considerate of underrepresented, underutilized, and engaging uh, people in a meaningful manner that is at ease, that allows them to have a voice, take ownership, be productive, and to put forth their best, um, the best of them, if you will. And so that's a big part of the, the vision of our organization and how we, um, how we embrace and engage and what we look to um, cultivate um, with, within our, our team setting. You know, of course, we want to scale our business and grow it to be um, successful and have a presence and to do, um, uh, do good business, but then those intangible things that always don't show up as a bottom line driver, like how we show up in the community, how we collaborate internally, how we commit to one another and to our clients and what that feels like is, is just as important to me um, because I don't have to answer to a board around the bottom line. I have to answer to myself every night about how does this feel and how is it moving and how are people engaging and that just create, I think, creates a different environment. And that's really my vision for our business. We want, we want to grow it, want to scale it, but not at the sacrifice of how it feels and how user-friendly it is and how people hopefully engage, connect, 
stay involved and, and everyone has an opportunity to grow and to develop and flourish uh, within that system. And so that's, that's kind of the, the evolution of all of that dreaming and exposure and culminating to where we sit in this moment in time today. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and that's why it's easy to see that, you know, best place to work comes into play because if people can count on not just the physical safety, but safety of the heart and psychological safety of being who they are and uh, being taken for their talents, that's, that's true growth. People want to be there. People want to be a part of it. I was also thinking about when you were talking about your influences, how important that is that we all know who influenced you and helped shape you as a leader, because that lives through you in who you are being in the world. And it's a wonderful reminder to, to just take a moment occasionally and think about the folks and the best of them you, that you've carried forward in your life. It's just so powerful. Um, and it makes for a way to tell people who you are is to, you know, say, let you, let me tell you about what I learned from Steve. Uh, it's a great, great way to honor them and to share with others who you are. Ben, you have picked up a couple of degrees since I've known you. I mean, <laughs> you know, we, we both, uh, got our master's in organization development, and then you went on and picked up a little old PhD. But um, I do know your love of organization development is probably mm -hmm. something that serves McFarlane and that you all care very much about developing your people. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, we, we do have that great love that we share together. And I think, um, you know, uh, it's, it's easy to say that your, your biggest asset are your, are your people, um, but it, it takes a lot of effort to make sure that you deliver on that promise. And so, um, you know, I think the way that things shift and move, uh, particularly in a, in a growing organization like ours is that it's, uh, it's sort of the Forrest Gump of every day. You know, you, it's like a, life's like a box of chocolates. When you wake up, you're not sure what you're gonna get. And so um, knowing that you have people who have a shared vision about where you're going is really important. So if we can create, and I think that this is one of the coolest things about working uh, with our team at McFarland is that there's a lot of people that really just believe in what we're uh, trying to accomplish. And so um, it, it really takes a lot of the ego out of our business and really helps us all think about how we're going to work together. And, um, you know, you know, we can sit here and, and look at some of, uh, we can look for all of our thought leadership from, from academics or whatnot. But, but one of the things I think has been the funnest experience is just trying to figure out how we can all have the same broad approach on how we go about doing our recruiting and retaining. And, and uh, we put together a book club about a year ago uh, based on one of Patrick Lencioni's books called The Ideal Team Player, which is a fictional character about a, a small construction company that's growing and trying to, to work through all those challenges. And so we had a handful of our teammates all uh, read this book together. And then we, in this thing, they talk about this model of having hiring for humble, hungry, and smart people. So humble that, you know, that doesn't mean you're putting, thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Uh, and it's also looking at, uh, you know, being um, hungry that you, that you have some, some aspirational goals about how you want to go do, uh, you know, and accomplish and achieve, but not do, do it at the expense of others. And then uh, being smart that you want people that 
are really good at relating to one another and 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 being considerate and and uh, and also having all the technical aptitude that we know it takes to build some of the stuff we build. And so we had this shared experience where we were able to to uh, you know have some conversations around what we wanted McFarland to grow into and and what types of folks we wanted to continue to invest in and and keep in our company and also who we wanted to recruit next because we're going to grow faster than we can uh, organically grow. And so I think that for me, that's been like one of the coolest um, experiences that we've all shared together. And I think that, uh, you know, it didn't take a doctoral degree to figure that out. It really took the shared experience of thinking about one another and how we wanted the company to look in the future. Yeah. Well, it's great to be in a culture, uh, in a company where you see people advance. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a wonderful feeling. And every time I talk to you, you speak about your teammates in ways that you're trying to help them be more successful and become all that they should be and can be. So that's wonderful. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Takes a village, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, Tino, obviously there are a bunch of shortages popping up in supply chain, uh, supply chains where building materials are concerned. How how do you see McFarland navigating through that? And just overall, how do you see it impacting construction in Charlotte? Yeah, it's uh, it's becoming very real. You know, funny, funny story, we're finishing up a landscaping project at our house. And so I go to order the mulch for delivery and found out it was a four week lead time on, on mulch. And so um, it is, uh, it's real. And so, you know, there's a, uh, you're kind of at the mercy of the, the commodities market, right? There's not a lot you can do to drive, you know, the supply of steel or lumber or specialty fixtures or whatever it may be, you know, so you have to, I think we have to be smarter about how we are uh, partnering with our trade partners and their suppliers and our suppliers to understand some of the constraints that we're getting that information shared or collaborating right very efficiently and effectively with our design partners and our owner partners so that they're aware of some of these constraints and then we're exploring alternatives uh, because you, you, you're just at the mercy of the lead time of the supplies of the pricing as it moves and so the more you're armed with um, potential other solutions or just being able to factor that into schedules and accommodate you know the fluctuations that are out of our control uh, I think that's the best um, approach that we can take based on where we sit kind of in the in the uh, supply chain yeah Ben, would you add anything to that yeah I think the other the other big challenge is I, I think they're calling it transact um, I, I guess it's a transitional um, um, you know, inflation or uh, so, so how do you deal with that when we've got this unique mix of prices going up and we also have challenges with recruiting labor, you know, and so right now there, there are a lot of people that maybe as a, um, a collateral effect of the, the stimulus package, they're choosing to stay home because uh, it's, you know, it's okay to be unemployed in this moment. And so that really does hit all of our trade partners. It hits our, our team, um, and so we, we have to try to navigate that. And I think that the more that we can be really transparent with all of our partners and the more that we are uh, clear with, with our, our clients and our relationships that we have about, hey, some, here are some of the headwinds that we're going to have to travel through here over the course of the next few months, not necessarily having uh, certainty has been one of the things that we've tried to focus on because we know it's a pressure and it's a, 
it, it really plays into the mindset of our of our clients and how they invest. And we're we're in one of the most active markets in the country, so uh, we know that it's hitting us uh, front and center much more than it may be hitting other other uh, cities and second and third tier markets. So just transparency and being being knowledgeable about what some of the trends are and what the what the mar market's telling us is really important. Yeah. Tino, what's driving the growth in Charlotte? Why are we such an active market? No, it, um, I think there are a number of different factors. One, I think we have pretty good leadership in Charlotte. They've done a good job of attracting, you know, uh, opportunity, right? So you've got a lot of headquarters here in Charlotte. So a lot of good places to work and grow your career. Um, crime is, is not out of control. The amenities are fairly plentiful and pleasant here in the marketplace. So I think it's a culmination of a, of a lot of good attributes that Charlotte possesses that, that um, attract people to, uh, to the area. And then I'm also just a big believer, right, in this momentum concept. So as things start to, as you develop, as you grow, that spawns more development and growth. So investments in the airport, investments in our healthcare infrastructure, investments in our schools, are all things that are very attractive. Um, and attract people to to our area, and uh, I, I don't I don't see a stop kind of in that cycle anytime soon. I think it's uh, in a pretty good um, um, uh, trajectory, and I just see it continuing to climb. And so that's in part what brought me here uh, 15 years ago. And a lot of the stories that I that I that I hear on from other transplants are exactly the same. So I see more of that just to come. Yeah. Well, if you wanted to give us your personal uh, really inside advice Tino on you know there are a number of entrepreneurs here on on the line and in the house and some who want to start a business maybe some are new or um, need a you know a little bit of a shot of b12 uh. <laughs> so you know in terms of just persistence. What's your what's your advice to us today when you reflect on your own personal approach to life? So, um, again, I keep going back to this concept of of momentum, and so I, I would say, you know, every day is a new day. Um, some days you you wake up and you feel energized, and you know you're hearing some yeses. Other days you may wake up after going to bed after have heard in some no's the night before. But I think. If you wake up the next day and you start, and if you're lacking energy, start with the small tasks, right? So the more that you accomplish, every, every time you accomplish something, it gives, it gives me energy to work to accomplish something else. So some mornings, it was as simple as just waking up and making sure my bed was made and taking the trash out and completing a couple of small tasks. Say, so, well, let me get something else off of my list. And all of a sudden, more things are starting to get, to get done and you're, you're gaining energy. And so that's kind of the the mentality, right? Because oftentimes when you're in this small business or when you're starting a business, it may just be you or you and a partner and you're figuring out how to, you know, cheerlead, how to motivate, how to do, how to um, think, how to develop a strategy and just drive a, a concept. And so you have to be all those things sometimes to yourself with a little bit of outside influence, of course, but ultimately when you're in these things, sometimes you're really in them and what feels like a vacuum. And so you have to find ways to keep your energy up and growing in the right direction but before you kind of get into that space you also have to take an honest assessment about you know what your offering is what your capacities are what you can and maybe cannot do and you have to figure out alignments and ways to kind of 
solve for those things. So whether it's through exchanging services or or um, or 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 um, hiring uh, support in certain areas, be be cognizant of where those strengths and weaknesses lie. Do a good assessment of that, and once you have stock of those, just try to manage those and your energy as best you can. And then you know, understand the power of people. Understand that it is a for us, it was definitely a play in time. You know, it, this is our 11th year. We weren't having this type of conversation at year four, five, or seven, right? So as, as things start to happen, though, I really believe that momentum things start to take shape. And as systems in our business start to spin, they begin to spin a little faster and more efficiently. And as all that start to spin, our business begin to move with a little more momentum, more efficiently. And now as we add more into that system, it moves a little more with a little more force, right? With a little more momentum. And so it's a compounding thing, um, but it, it all started for me and all took, um, took shape kind of with managing my energy, understanding my strengths and weaknesses, consistently pish, um, positioning, being resilient and patient as kind of those seeds that I talked about earlier begin to take root, take shape. And, um, and some of them we were able to harvest, but really the harvest started to happen as we, um, and more was able to be done as we added more team members and more people to the mix. And so it's, um, it's um, no silver bullet. It's, uh, you know, you really got to understand, I think your business, it's offering how you position it and understand yourself, where your energy comes from, what, what takes it away and just don't stop moving. You're going to hear the nose, but be resilient. You're going to feel um, rejected sometimes, be resilient. And then sometimes you're going to feel like things are clicking and ride those highs and and um, celebrate them, but then also just you know understand that um, it, it, it's a cyclical cyclical process. You got to keep going through the highs and lows before you really get to the point where you can take off and kind of soar a little bit. And so, um, for whatever that's worth, that's oh. kind of the. the I'm um, so, listen, I'm so glad we're recording this because everybody will get a link. And that last piece, I, I definitely want. I want to hear the whole interview again. But that was that was wonderful. Listen, I want you and Ben to hang out for just a second because we want to thank you in the biggest way. But sure. I did want to give everybody a heads up that what would normally be our next time with you is July 1st. And so we know you don't want to come see us July 1st. Um, it'll be part of the holiday weekend. So we'll be skipping that. We'll be back here on July 15th with Cheryl Richards, who is the president of uh, the Charlotte campus for Johnson and Wales University. And I want to give a quick shout out to the folks in the Interact family on the line, Michael Samet, Porter Metzler, Patrick Sheehan, Jess Barilla. And I think Susie is not with us because she's coaching someone uh, this morning, but in thanking Tino and Ben, I want everybody to put a heart up or a thumb up or whatever it is from your reactions or just give them a, a little bit of applause, whatever it is. And thank you guys. We really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Look for the link, everyone. Take care. All right.